Hello, everybody, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. It's alive! We're a podcast that will be looking at different kinds of monsters. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm an elementary school teacher in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I also am a writer, and I write for a site called TwinCitiesGeek.com, where mostly I write about science and tech topics, but it really runs the gamut of geek topics. So I've written also extensively on Star Trek and sci-fi and fantasy, and I'm also a big fan of the horror genre. Ever since I was a kid, I've always loved watching monster movies. I used to watch old B-movies with my mom from Tales from the Crypt, um, or just odd science fiction flicks that were on TV at the time, old black and white 1960s ones, 1950s. And then at the same time with my dad, I, was, I would watch movies like Alien and Predator. I remember going to Blockbuster Video to rent those movies as a kid, and maybe I was probably too young to watch those movies, but it did shape a little bit of who I am today and how I developed that fascination with monsters that's made me so excited to talk about them now. And my co-host here is... Hey, I'm Khalid Hussein, and I live in Hollywood where I am a producer slash production coordinator on a bunch of productions. A little bit about my backstory. I um, am the child of immigrants and I grew up just watching literally anything and everything I could on television. Taught myself English doing that actually. And so pop culture is like a big part of my identity and upbringing. And so like, I love all of it pretty much. Um, and then like going specifically into like monsters and stuff, it's more or less a blind spot, but you know, like growing up, I really loved a lot of the Joss Whedon stuff. So like I got like a lot into that and Greek mythology was also super cool for me. So um, I, I don't have like, the most like encyclopedic knowledge when it comes to all these monster things so it'll be a learning experience for me as it will for a lot of you listeners um but i don't know i'm excited i'm excited to see what we cook up here what kind of like stuff joe brings to the table what i find in my research going forward and i hope that you guys enjoy what we end up talking about yeah, and hope we all just have a good time talking about monsters. When we say monsters, we're talking about beasts that are mythical, made up, alien, supernatural. We're not going to be talking about like real ones like cougars or something, right? Is a cougar a monster? I don't know. I mean, some people might consider it a monster. Maybe. I think we're also going to avoid cryptids, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So maybe don't, don't quote me on that. All right, and for the people at home, and not for me, what's a cryptid? Uh, like Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster. Okay, cool, cool. That's, uh, that's important to know. Yeah. Um, so we're focusing on creatures and monsters and aliens and things from anywhere from B-movies to big-budget blockbusters to maybe books to maybe broadcast television i worked really hard on that alliteration khalid <laughs> uh yeah uh that's the beauty of it is that we've got a huge uh pool of resources to look into as far as monsters and it's great i mean it's just like pretty much as 
for as long as there's been storytelling, there have been monsters in stories. So it's going to be really fun to explore all of these and uh, try to understand how they build upon each other myth-wise and, you know, just why it, like, the idea or the construct of a monster even endures to this day. Like, why are we so drawn to, like, a indestructible, terrifying thing that, like, hunts us? Like, why, why do we want that? <laughs> Today, we chose a movie that we both watched before this that we're going to dig into for our first episode. And again, since it's our first episode, bear with us, still figuring out the format a little bit. Um, but we chose the movie The Host from 2006. Khalid, will you give us a good synopsis of what The Host was about? Uh, yeah, I won't give it to you, but I will recite what Google's giving me. Probably a better choice. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a great one. Nice and, nice and brief, just gets to it. Uh, basically, The Host is about a... Careless American military personnel dumps chemicals into South Korea's Han River. Several years later, a creature emerges from the tainted waters and sinks its ravenous jaws into local residents. When the creature abducts their daughter, a vendor, and his family decide that they're the only ones who can save her. In and out. Boom. If, uh, if it was uh, up to me, that would have been a lot more rambly, and I would have dwelled on things that probably didn't need to be dwelled on. The host, uh, sort of making a comeback. I've seen a lot of articles posted on it recently because its director, Bong Joon-ho, has directed an Academy Award winning film. Khalid, do you know what that film is? Uh, yeah, it's called Green Book and everybody should watch it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, an Italian guy introduces fried chicken to a black guy. It's super plausible uh in all seriousness we're talking about the movie that took 2019 by storm uh parasite yeah the same director for that amazing groundbreaking record shattering movie uh also wrote and directed this awesome movie and it, it really like if you've seen any of his stuff before parasite came out like it completely makes sense like all of the hype around him is overdue in most people's eyes uh so just going back and watching something like earlier that maybe doesn't have that like 10 out of 10 home run quality that parasite has but still just like that the like the sheer nerve and energy of it like this movie really does that for me where it's just like oh we're just like what like it's like it's like watching an early edgar wright movie or anything else where or an early ryan johnson movie where it's like it's not all there but man he is already so much closer than anybody else is um and before we move any further it's probably important to say that we will probably have spoilers for this movie right yeah, we're definitely going to spoil the crap out of this movie. And um, the description wasn't exactly like 
the full movie as far mm-hmm. as like why I like I personally love the movie like that description didn't really like sell it as well so like I think we're going to go back into it and this is what Joe was talking about as far as not knowing necessarily how the show is going to be just mm-hmm. yet so bear with us as we figure out the best way to like disseminate the movie while still focusing on that sweet sweet monster so anyway with that being said Khalid what do you think of the movie Sounds to me that I can already grasp what you thought of it based on some of the adjectives you used already, but go ahead, give us your thoughts. Um, yeah, love it. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, I, I feel like Monsters is a real blind spot for me, um, but whenever I do watch a monster movie uh, and I like it, it's, it's, a, it's a nice feeling. And this movie really just like, it, it does that for me. It's so great. Um, I think what I like about it is that the monster in it is so believable. Uh, lots of times when I'm watching a monster movie, the idea is that like, oh, this is a clever monster. It knows it's in a horror movie. It, it understands the concept of building suspense. With this monster, like half the time, like I think about, I think about just like that amazing first time we see it when it's not just like a scary, like it leaps out of the water and eats you or anything. It's literally just hanging there. It has no idea of itself in relation to anybody else. It doesn't know that it should hide. So like, we're just watching it with everybody else. Like, what the hell is that? And then it just plop right into the water, <laughs> just plops into the water, just like goes for a dip. And then it's like, oh, that's probably food. And then we get the craziness. And so just like, if I could just focus it on the monster itself, I would want to say like this movie kills it. Like it just does such a great job throughout of like making a plausible threat and a plausible reaction to that threat while also acknowledging the rules of its world. This is a mutated animal is still an animal and that's how an animal would act. So I could say a bunch more, but it's all going to come out the same way. Love this movie. Highly recommend it. Right. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. I loved how early we see the monster in this. A lot of monster movies, they try to like kind of keep it hidden and, and, you know, there's a big reveal towards the end. But I think I read somewhere in an interview with, uh, with um, the director that he was proud about how early the monster was shown, like within like 13 minutes, I think it was. And um, I love that moment when after they threw all that stuff in the river and they just kind of casually turn and then just see it just rampaging down like the boardwalk or whatever they're in. Like that was both terrifying, but like weirdly hilarious imagery because it's just so bright and everyone's just like, ha this is fun. But then suddenly, oh, we're about to get, I don't know, eaten, I guess. Um, I don't, <laughs> I like that. That was a great scene. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and the whole movie has that interesting mix of just like, almost like slapstick style humor with some very like, like horror elements as well as like some drama tragedy and it's and it's you know very satirical and political too so it's got like just a whole it's like a whole bunch of things in a blender but it just came out and i don't want to say blender because i think it was all done really carefully actually and right yeah uh, it's way more like exquisitely prepared than like just like a good mix of something yeah but like exquisitely prepared mix of things that you wouldn't always think mix well together but turns out they do yeah yeah um i and i feel like he refines it so much more in in parasite Mm -hmm. like i was saying earlier um but it's essentially that same thing where it's like you can spend like it 
I think about a movie like Parasite or a movie like The Host, and I'm like, well, it's like, sure, it's one movie, but like, really, you're getting like three. You're getting like three <laughs> good movies, just like crisscrossing with each other. And I actually just watched another one of his movies, Memories of a Murder, hmm. and like that one was like a big influence for like movies like Zodiac, and like you really see it in that. But like, yeah. um, tell me if you notice this, but like, I'm realizing that like Bong Joon Ho like really loves Brave. I I do not blame him. I do not fault him. Like rain is such a great punctuation to like anything happening in a scene. It's just like um like you think about like I mean without spoiling Parasite, there's a, rain plays a big part in that. Uh, memories of a murder again without giving away too much there. Like literally like the case revolves around days when it rains. You know. So it's just like cinematically, like, and then this movie, huh? That I will, which I will spoil that dead scene with the dad, like, them just like running through that storm. And, uh, um, but yeah, uh, speaking about the dad, uh, I think that, uh, that's really like, that's what elevates this for me. Um, obviously, like the monster intro and the way that it's incorporated is cool um the way that he like highlights the the way that the government would theoretically react to it which we'll definitely get into um that's all cool but what makes this like a truly great movie for me that like i wouldn't hesitate to recommend to anybody is that family dynamic which is just like so fascinating and the way that it's disseminated is so just like confident and that's that's like the true like talent for me is like when you can just like deftly get me to understand like how everybody works and like how they are in relation to each other you know like before we even see half the cast like we understand their relationship to this like core family where it's like they start out rooting for the, the sister at the archery, uh, played mm-hmm. by Duna Bay. Uh, if you've seen Sense8, she's the badass in that. Uh, she's the reason that they didn't all die, like, by episode <laughs> five. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Duna Bay kills it in this movie. And we, before she, as a character, comes on screen and, like, does anything, we already know so much about her through, like, the fan the, the the fans she has within her family you know like the um the father uh what was his name is uh gang do mm-hmm. and yeah gang do and his daughter are just like fawning over her on the tv and we know all that and then boom like the scene later happens with the at the memorial service when we realize he actually has another brother too yeah. Which, like, I feel like in any other movie, like, that would be too jarring for me. That, like, there's just, like, another brother. Even though it's not that far into the movie, so much has happened at that point. That when you all of a sudden go, oh, yeah, he also has another sibling we never told you about. I would get hung up on it. But, like, this movie really milks the chaos that's inherent to that sequence. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's always been a part of the family. Another thing about it too, uh, like I think you mentioned earlier about how uh, kind of like political it is, and like, and I think it's I, when I was doing some research, and I'm I'm going to move a little bit now towards talking about the monster specifically, almost. But I was doing a little bit of research before this about, um, just reading some reviews that Bong Joon Ho has given to about this movie, 
And he's always asked about mixing politics with a monster movie. And I thought that was really interesting because I, I feel like a lot of monster movies and a lot of horror movies are very inherently, have an inherent political subtext as well. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of B movies well, yeah. that don't, but, but I, I mean, I think that, I think he just, he just capitalizes on a way that made it more visible than I think it's, it's been like, I mean, like think about classic Godzilla was all about, you know, like the proliferation of like nuclear weapons. And so there's I would a, count the mayor from Jaws under that category. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, I mean, there's a like, lot of think, politics yeah. in, in, in monster movies. And I, and I think that's a, I mean, that's a huge part of this too. Like, like uh, I think you mentioned in your synopsis that it starts off with an American uh, doctor or scientist ordering a South Korean like uh, assistant of his to pour a bunch of old formaldehyde down a drain that led directly into the Han River, despite the dude's objection objections. And and a, and that's based on an actual thing. Did you know that, Khalid? Yeah, he really he yeah. really he really dunks on Americans in this. Yeah. The few, the few Americans in this feel like they're dunks. He dunks on us. Yeah, like for for a moment, you like there's a part later on before you know when he's when uh, our main character Gang Du is in the hospital and he's talking to that American doctor and you're like, oh, that guy's kind of sympathetic towards him, but he's just you realize quickly that he's like he he thinks he's delusional and wants to perform a lobotomy on him really quick. Yeah, I got a lot of 1984 vibes from that with yeah. that like weird it's like horrifying. double speak energy of just like. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, he literally just like that. That part freaked me out where he was just like, he just said there's no virus. Like, I know enough English to know yeah. that. Like, and no he's virus. like shouting it to everybody. And like, they just keep going. Like, they also didn't hear that. Like, yeah. yeah that was it's like, just like, oh. Truly terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And like, the fact that like no help does come for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh he, he just goes through it and you're just watching it. And it's just like, uh. Like when they're like getting the tissue samples. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so the original case yeah, that it's based uh, on is called the McFarland case. It was a, it was a guy who had, who was responsible for that. And the South Korean government tried to hold him accountable and actually found him guilty, like in absentia, but the, he's never, I don't know. The U S never really cooperated with that. So apparently that's just something that stuck with um, Bong Joon-ho, something that he, thought of and wanted to make this movie kind of was inspired by that that's sad that that's a real story yeah uh but uh, but also not surprising uh i guess we should talk about the uh the the very obvious elephant in the room uh we watched this movie during Mm. uh what is probably the biggest global event in a, like in years uh like as something that like literally the entire world has to experience like i can't even think of anything else that like compares to this in recent memory um yeah so i'm talking about the quarantine and this movie is very interesting to watch when you're going through a lot of what these characters seem to be going through where um you've got the government giving a lot of like confusing and contradictory information about whether or not there might be a like deadly pandemic going on people become suspicious of each other wearing masks and anybody who coughs is suddenly a suspect and it ends with a bunch of belligerent protesters that are are fighting the government which in this instance in the movie's instance is not entirely wrong uh but but in our, in our real world instance totally is wrong <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
but yeah uh yeah what did you think of that uh the the whole like watching that movie now in light of how we live honestly i hadn't seen this movie for a long time i think i watched it many many years ago and i didn't get much out of it then but rewatching that i like i totally forgot that whole element of it you know i totally forgot yeah. that there's this whole like pandemic element to it so for those of you who maybe haven't seen the movie um, anyone who is exposed to when the first when the monster first, first comes out of the water they're kind of treated as like people who've been, been exposed to a virus or and they need to be quarantined and especially our main characters uh, who like have direct contact with it they're like quarantined in a hospital and, and and they're trying to get out to rescue the daughter but um, yeah it's it's treated like a viral outbreak I don't even know how many people in the in the fiction, in the movie's fictional sense of the, the country, knew that there was a monster. There was more of a concern from the population about a virus spreading. And that was also like eerily believable. Like having gone through, like we're just to give everybody who might be listening to this at a later date some reference. We're about six weeks into like mm-hmm. official lockdown status for everybody. For all our future. So plans. we're about yeah about six weeks into this now like i genuinely there's a lot of stuff that before that i'd watch in a movie and i'd be like the government wouldn't do that the people wouldn't react like that i'm so much more like wow this is pretty plausible they executed this well like this movie like the reaction to it everything like i genuinely now believe that if an alien or a monster attacked the earth like uh, half of us wouldn't even know for sure until no, like there'd be a lot of a lot of people denying like, it like if the Cloverfield monster hit New York, like it would just be like eh, Cloverfield monsters hoax. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's actually it, it, it's actually the, the the Chinese beast. That's what we're calling it. Like it'd be just, it would just be like <laughs> weird like semantics instead of like a clear answer on what's happening. Mm-hmm. And this movie sold me on the reaction because yeah, it's in all honesty if you're just like on the other side of south korea or wherever whatever town in south korea this happened if you're on the other side of it what are you gonna believe like a giant fish monster attacked everyone or a virus attack (laughs) yeah you're really prophetic overall yeah (laughs) so like just to get into the like the little nitty-gritty of the monster itself i love we'll get it out of the way right now if and if, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet and is trying to be like sold on this the graphics for the monster are do not hold up uh they, it looks like something from like a sci-fi like sci-fi channel movie where it's like very sharknado budget um i think that has more to do with like the capabilities at the time it mm-hmm. was two, like 14 years ago they also relied, I was reading a little bit, they relied mostly on, pretty much primarily on CGI. So there wasn't a lot of practical effects used. Um, that being said, I do think exactly. some, some of the ones that, the scenes of the monster that do hold up more are the, actually some of the close-ups I thought were better. Anytime there was shade, like, yeah. uh, under, like cause a lot of that final sequence happens under the bridge underpass yep. and, then, and then the sewer stuff. That's when mm-hmm. it looked the best. That's like, yeah, when, when it's out in the open, and I love it for being out in the open. That's probably when it works the when it works the least. Yeah, I, I that's <laughs> the thing though. Is like again, like credit to Bong Joon Ho. That is that's how that's how ballsy you are. You're like this looks <laughs> fake as that look, this looks fake AF, and I'm still going to put it out uh, in the open, broad daylight, and let you look it square in the eye, and still go with go along that's how good this story is um but yeah so 
not my favorite design as far as like the how crude it ended up looking but what what it lacks in like oh i believe there's a monster next to all those people uh it more than makes up for in like the thought they took with like how it moves how it how it attacks people um uh, specifically i'm talking about the way it swings across the rafters yes the, um, the acrobatics that is that is so cool and i wish i could see i could i wish i could have been in the room when they were like developing this monster and coming up with that because that is like that's the kind of cool little like very specific thing that's like oh that's why your job is cool you got to decide how a monster moves um that's a cool job uh the only thing i can compare it compare to if i can just do a quick tangent is um you remember the disney tarzan movie the animated one yeah the one with phil phil collins singing right exactly yes phil collins tarzan um (laughs) So uh, there was a, like on Disney Channel, there was a, a, there's like this, they'd always do like specials for like the movies that were coming out under the Disney banner. And for that movie, they showed like a quick, like it was, it's basically just like an extra features for a DVD I'm realizing right now as I describe it, but they just showed it on TV. So it was like a cool thing. Um, and so they were talking about how in that movie, you know how like Tarzan basically just like slip slides on the branches as he's going, like he doesn't actually like run on them so much as just like surf them. Yeah, that would hurt your feet. It like, oh, you're yeah, you would have nothing but like ribbons for like feet <laughs> at that point. Well, maybe he's done um, it so much, but so uh, now. yeah, he's just got like such horribly calloused feet, but uh. <laughs> the cool thing was they were talking about that and to bring it back to the host and like how the monster moves like they were talking about how like they use like actual snowboarding footage and stuff like that and that's how they like came up with this idea and i was like that's super awesome because that is definitely one of the only things i remember from an otherwise forgettable reboot uh, (laughs) of tarzan you know it's like the way he did move on those branches to this day sticks with me and that's like it's like cool things like that where it's that's the fun in storytelling is like what if we came up with like the first new way to like go through branches <laughs> this will all make it to the cutting room floor but i had to bore joe at least with this little tangent um that's back special. to the movie i liked it <laughs> uh i love i loved how it moved is there any other part of the monster itself that like you loved I liked a lot of it. Um, actually, I, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Bong Joon-ho directed the creature's movements. So that was something that he actually, like he was in charge of kind of directing some of that stuff. I, um, really? but I, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. But I liked, um, I, th- I, I just feel like they put a lot of care for what it maybe lacked up, lacked in the kind of the CGI area. They put a lot of care in the actual design of it. So like the way it looks is kind of like, something weird that would have come from something toxic you know and that's the point like it's from something toxic and and pollution in the han river and everything like that um and i actually found this kind of interesting quote from the director and he says i wasn't interested in the conventional creature you find in movies or computer games i wanted to give my monster a very realistic feeling as if it were a creature that you could actually find somewhere. The bigger the creature is, the less, reali- rest, the less realistic he becomes. If the creature can hide behind a bus or a truck, it is more realistic. And I, I, I really thought, found that in the movie. Like, it's, it's big and intimidating, but it's not, like, overwhelmingly big. You know, it's, it's something that could, like, it, 
I remember there was a moment where some people were looking into the river and then it just drops down behind them because it's hanging out under the bridge, you know, like by its tail doing acrobatics or whatever it's doing. Oh yeah. That's what's so great about this movie for me is like, um, for example, like Godzilla, you couldn't replace Godzilla with anything else that wasn't like that devastatingly large and still get the Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. But like, with this movie, you can replace the beast with like four bears and it's still pretty much like a compelling movie. Yeah. Like if you were just like out and all of a sudden four bears were on the loose and attacking people, same, same thing, same thing. Everybody's freaking out, running. Some kid's going to get snatched. Like yeah. it's, it, 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 it holds up. And I, and I think that's what I'm realizing now is my new litmus test for a movie is would it be just as good if you replaced the main threat with four bears. Well, let's continue that thread throughout this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to try and remember listeners uh, to do the four bears test every time. And, and listeners, if he doesn't, you can feel free to call him out in angry yeah, emails. I might change it. To Khalid. If I, could, if I can think of something funnier than four bears, I'll change it. But for right now, four bears is pretty amusing to me. Fair enough. I'm looking right now at a picture of the creature, like not from the movie, but like a, like a drawing of it, a design rendering of it. And I'm just thinking, like looking at some of the pieces of it. I think it's it, like, it really does look like a mutated thing. Like I was saying, like it's got uh, these two like larger arms in the front, uh, some smaller, like little appendage appendages in the back that looks like they could be kind of used for swimming or something. And then just some odd stuff on the back. And it, do you remember that moment in the early on in the movie where the little the fishermen catch the little, I guess presumably baby version of the creature? Oh, that's such a great shot! I love it's that. So shot awesome! Too. It's like he's like, oh, how many legs like that unbroken, thing Like <laughs> it's like this like medium wide angle, like and all of yeah. it's confusing. And it's just, <laughs> and then at the end he's like, oh man, I almost lost that cuff. Dude, I don't know <laughs> yeah. that, that would have been like what <laughs> yeah, you just found like a mutated creature it was tiny but you, you're worried about the cup <laughs> um it's he's so he's such a funny director i know i, I love that but and, and i also was just remembering too that the, the mouth of the creature kind of like opens up like that flower kind of thing you know do you remember that oh uh, yeah i feel like a lot of like i feel like since alien or whatever they're what? like monsters have been doing that that's kind of, yeah it's kind of predator-esque actually but it's that it's that like hr geiger thing of like everything just like unfolds and is like a certain anatom anatomical part <laughs> yeah exactly and, and and you see that a lot and i and i think that's i i don't know why that would be but it it just seemed like it does seem like a good like just kind of a weird monster trait that's like okay that's strange enough that we don't really see that much in the world so yeah i mean at that point it's like alien to me you know yeah. what i mean yeah, like if, you, if your mouth opens sideways you're an alien i don't mm -hmm. know what to tell you um okay so i think i don't know i think we talked a good good decent amount about this yeah so let's get to the so, let's get to the meat the meat and potatoes of this let's uh khalid um fight or flirt Will you explain to us what okay. that means? Yeah. So a uh, fun thing, uh, it was actually in my contract. That was the only way that I was going to be brought on as a co-host of this podcast. Uh, the one thing my contract stipulated was that I get to have a section each episode, and it's called Fight It or Flirt It. 
and it's about whether or not I would fight the monster of the week or I would flirt with it and you know try to woo it and maybe even bed it if if anatomically it makes sense to to get out of certain death um so this week with this monster i think i'm going to have to say that i would try to flirt my way out of it um uh the the in the movie itself it makes a pretty good argument that you could fight it and beat it like it seems like fire takes care of it pretty quickly but i just don't i don't trust enough like people in my immediate circles because like you're gonna need a team like i don't have a team that i trust enough to be like all right one of you dump lighter fluid on it one of you get your bow and arrow from your olympic bow and arrowing days and light it on fire and shoot it into its stomach one of you grab a steel pole and pierce it. That's a lot to ask of anybody, let alone just like your regular, like good acquaintances. So I'm going to opt to try and woo it. And I think I actually have a chance because if you notice in the movie, he doesn't kill everybody he takes. He takes a few people back to his lair. And you know what that tells me? The guy's lonely. He likes company. Even if it's just like somebody there, just like moving around, shuffling around, moving some stuff around. And that's me in spades. You know what I mean? Like I'm a very low maintenance partner. Yeah, a lot of you don't know that about me, but I'm very low maintenance. And I think that's what this monster's looking for. So for our very first installment of Fight It or Flirt It, I would flirt it. All right. I, I great case for it. Hmm. Thank you. And, and you know, and I want to just add a little bit to your point. That final scene when uh, our main character finally rams that pole into the creature's mouth and kills it. Yeah. Um, and I know much of the movie is all about, you know, focusing on sympathy for the main characters. I really felt that there was a moment of like pity or, or like a look of pity in, that, in the, um, our main character's eyes as he kills that creature because I think he knows that that creature is also a victim of all this terrible, terrible stuff going on from the Americans, according to the movie. And the ineptitude of just the government in general. And I think that maybe in that moment, he might be thinking, what if I flirted with this monster too? All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we'll hope you to see, hope to, to see. Hope you tune in next time. Yeah, Joe, you're going to see all of the podcast listeners. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. You want to tell them what we're going to do for our next one? Whether we're still figuring out the frequency of when this podcast comes out, but we know for sure there'll at least be a second episode at some point. There will be at some point. So our ne in our next episode, we will be watching the classic movie. Is it a classic, would you say? Oh, at this point? hell yeah. Yeah? Heck I would yeah. Say. Okay. <laughs> uh, attack the block. Dun, dun, dun. So tune in next time to listen about to our thoughts on Attack the Block and more specifically the creatures who, if I am correct in my understanding, did remain unnamed throughout the movie, right? They're not given like names. Yes, but more and more specifically tune in to listen to me gush about a young John Boyega because there will indeed be a lot of that. Was, that kid was so cool. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey, Khalid. Hey, Joe. Guess what? What? We're, we're in a post-credit scene right now. What? Is, oh, that's why everything smells different. Yeah. So I thought it was important to do this because there's a fun fact about this movie that I forgot to mention and I'm really excited to tell you about because I don't think you know it. Really? Yeah. Can I take one guess? Uh, yeah, but I don't think you're going to get it. Okay, is the fun fact that on the set that everybody called the monster Steve Buscemi? I hate you. <laughs> I'm in your freaking head, dude. Yeah, that was the fun fact. And that apparently, due to Steve Buscemi's erratic performance in the movie Fargo, they thought there was a similarity between that and the way they wanted the monster to come off. So the monster was endearingly known as Steve Buscemi on the set of The Host. I think they're being nice. I think I don't think it had anything to do with this performance. I think it, the monster just looks like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> well, folks, there's your fun, weird fact for the movie. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.